everybody, it's time to LOL. Listen out loud, that is. It's time for Anime Jam Session with DJ Ronma S, Mako-chan, and Ari Rockefeller. Hey everyone, welcome to Anime Jam Session, episode number 381. We are that podcast that talks about anime, games, conventions, the fandom, geek stuff, and everything in between. I'm DJ Ronma S. And I'm Ichigo Gami. And Ari is out tonight because he got himself Das Flu. And Mako-chan... Good job! No, I'm kidding. <laughs> oh, God. And Mako-chan is still re- recovering from, I guess, from her vacation, which turned into recovering from jet lag. So she's probably listening on the show. And she's either got really excited by the pre-show or she's mouthing off giving me shit over the uh, This Is Halloween cover. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I I got really excited when you played the uh, Beetlejuice the animated series opening. I was very excited about that. So, yay! Does this mean there is going to be a future Lydia Dietz cosplay coming from you? I mean, I know that me and Mako talked about it last time, but maybe. Yeah, one of you could do the wedding dress, and the other one could do her spider outfit from the cartoon. Well, I know uh, Mako already has the wedding dress because yeah. I think she did that uh, when she was out with Seiya and um, Yaten. I don't. I don't remember if she brought that or not. Oh, okay, but I do know that um, that Mako-chan does have the red the red dress. Yeah, th- so. that, yeah, that I definitely do know. Well, I am getting an embroidery machine, so maybe we'll make that spider uh, drape happen. That'll be crazy. And you both need to walk around with a plush Beetlejuice. <laughs> a plus plush Beetlejuice or plushes of the uh, family that lives in the house. Or maybe a plushie in one hand and a sandworm in the other. There you go. Or a plushie of a sandworm. So cute. And maybe Monster Next Door. There you go. <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. Beetlejuice was one of my favorite cartoons growing up. So, Yeah, definitely. It was super fun, and it was one of the ones that was kind of wacky and out of out of the norm for a lot of cartoons. Mm-hmm. So, Plus, it was one of those cartoons where you could watch it six days a week. I mean, it was on C- C- here in New York. It was on syndication on Fox 5. And then Saturday mornings on ABC. It also wasn't one of those cartoons that was marketed to like a specific gender. So it was kind of cool to see that. You want to know something? I have never really seen cartoons marketed to specific genders unless I saw it that way. I mean, but I guess that's how it is. You know, that's probably one of the reasons I never watched Gem. But all the other cartoons, I sat there and watched the fuck out of it. I liked it, you know. Yeah, you know, honestly, there's really not a lot of gender in cartoons unless you, like, look for it. But a lot of times, like, especially the 80s cartoons, mm-hmm. many of them were made to sell product. So, Oops. depending right. on the product, you know, like G.I. Joe, obviously, that's probably a boy's toy or whatever. Um, but anyway, yeah, now I know we could go into this forever, so. Yeah, definitely. Fun times. Halloween, everybody. Are you excited? Mm -hmm. I'm excited. I'm going to be passing out candy, though. So yay for porch duty, sitting (laughs) like a crazy person, eating all my own candy. Before we begin, (laughs) let's kick things off with how was your week? How was your day? I'm actually changing up the music a little bit because I I stumbled across this last night. I figured I'd throw it in. And we can also briefly talk about our our Why am I saying Christmas? No! no! Leave no, us no, time, Ranma. Leave no, us time. I, I just realized. It's not even Turkey Day. I just realized when I went in, when I went to go pick up my dinner time, I walked past Bath and Body Works. They already had their Christmas signs up. 
everybody already does. It's because marketing. Marketing needs oh. to be done at least two to three months in advance, and it always uh, happens. You're talking to some. You're talking to a four-year veteran of back to school. Trust me. Oh God. I know. So much fun. So, anywho, Ichigo, how was your week? How was your day? What are your Halloween plans? Oh my gosh, I'm the first one. Yep. Uh, was it like on uh, YouTube's like first? Um, so yeah, it's um, it's been uh, an interesting week, and it's going to be more interesting the coming week. Um, I actually have NecoCon this weekend, NecoCon down in Virginia Beach. Uh, so if you're gonna be at NecoCon, definitely come see me in my panels. Um, yeah, so I'm gonna have three panels this weekend. But last weekend, I ended up doing a fashion show up at a goth club in uh, one of our big cities over here. And that was a lot of fun, like business fun, which is different from regular fun. Um, and that was a lot of fun. My, my models felt very body positive with themselves and everything. So that was really, really cool. Well, that's um, yeah, overall, the general like feeling has basically been like work, work, work. And now my brain kind of doesn't know what to do with itself because I'm kind of on like a break a little bit but as soon as I get back from NecoCon it'll basically be work 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 again so that's pretty much it um as far as for my Halloween plans I am going to be my bone gathering fairy which I know it's a little different than your normal like princess fairy or whatever but um I like a lot of the fairy folklore and myths and legends and stuff like that because I am a giant nerd. And, nerd. Um, nerd. And um, so I really love like fae culture and stuff like that. And so my character that I am dressing up as is like Unseelie. So she's from like the dark fairy court. So she kind of gathers the bones. Um, but yeah, so that's who I'm going to be tomorrow. She's very cute and I'm very excited to wear her. Um, but yeah, uh, what are you going to be up to? Well, if you must know, um, well, at work, you know, they've kind of started calling me Mr. Microsoft, well, one of my co-workers. Uh, so I am doing an outfit based around Microsoft and Windows j just to fuck with people. Then... I decided, you know, if that doesn't go over too well, but I'm still going to wear it because it's going to be comfy as fuck, I decided I am going to break out my Nick Fury cosplay. And here's the interesting thing. I had thought about tonight, I should get a bald cap for my Nick Fury. And I'm like, where am I going to get one? And I realized there's a party city right downstairs from the Target I was in. So I figured I'd go over there, pick one up, and go. Now, Ichigo. Yeah? Have you ever been Black Friday shopping? Yes. You know how they have you stand outside and they send in a few people at a time? I worked at a spirit during Halloween, Ron. I get where you're going with this. So let me ask you, did your spirit <laughs> Halloween do that too? Um, We didn't actually have a line going out the door. What? Actually, I want to say the day before Halloween was probably one of the quietest for us, which is weird. I believe that. I walked over. There was a line, and they were letting in three and four people in at a time to buy shit. Uh, I looked at the brother. I was like, you know what? I don't need this. I can come back another. I ain't even worrying about it. 
Well, to be honest, with Party Depot and Party City and those kind of stores, I know that they've have a lot of problems with loss prevention. Oh yeah, yeah, but I know. But I'm just saying the fact that you they only letting a few. I was like, I get it. I'm not waiting on this line. My ball cap is not that important. Is that important enough? And honestly, there's so many cosplayers that do it with their hair as is. So yeah. I think you'll be fine. That's why I thought because I did it before without the ball cap and it still worked i just thought about it the last minute be like maybe you know and i think most party stores don't really have a good variety of skin tones they pretty much just have the nude one so oh, well not that it matters so you know yeah it is what it is so i think it'll look good no matter what but uh is Thank like you. the other costume you're talking about like a 404 error or something Oh, the blue screen of death. Oh, that you're going to be the blue screen of death. That's hilarious. I love that one. I swear, if no one shares General Chow's chicken tomorrow, I'm going to be enraged. Oh, eh. wait, what? I think that's one of the best costumes ever. A General So's chicken? Okay, okay. It's an Asian guy wearing a, a naval outfit. He's holding a stuffed chicken, and he has his placard says "so T S O" on it. General oh, okay, so kind of like being like the colonel. Yeah, General Cho's okay, chicken. Okay. <laughs> I guess I haven't seen that that meme yet, but that sounds like a that sounds like a cute one. I, I might even share that before I go to bed tonight. But um, as for my weekend day, I went to a couple of Halloween parties over the weekend. One was good, the other one not so much because. I think people were expecting a bad nor'easter up here, and people just went out of town. But we really—the weather was actually really on par. Just nothing really happened, you know. I did laundry, and I'm just dealing with shit with my other costume I'm wearing to a party tomorrow night. So I decided to be a ER doctor, and I'm like, I will order the scrubs. And I kept pushing it off till I need—I wanted to wear it. For a party this weekend so actually what happened was i ordered the scrubs and i think they're the right size i put them on they were a snug fit that is not what i needed so i go online order for next day shipping to me next day delivery means i go it gets to fedex or ups and it's at your work by 3 p.m no it goes to the last mile which is um, laser ship, Ugh. and they put it in a truck and a van and they and a minivan or whatever, and it gets driven to you. And I keep forgetting. I don't know how they do it, but my package from do not show up till eight or nine o'clock. And I contacted Amazon about this. They said I can request a time. I never got the time I requested. And then when I by the time I leave work and get home, I get a notification that it, they were unable to deliver, and I'm like. The receiving office is open 24 hours, so that's bullshit. I end up getting it on Monday. Now, Sunday, I'm sitting there contacting Amazon about the whole thing, and I explain everything, so they refund the entire order, and I order another one, and they waive the next day shipping. Fine, great. And then on Monday when I'm at work, like I come back from a meeting or something and I see at my desk the package I was supposed to be delivered on Friday. Come to find out security rejected the package saying we're, we don't we don't watch this stuff. 
And then when I get home, the other set of scrubs showed up. So now I got to send those back. I'm just like. So you're going into medical school, Ranma? Something like that. I have like the lab coat and all of that. So I figured it was it was reasonably priced. So I'm like, why not? The only downside is I couldn't find them in my size. I mean, my I found them myself, but not in the color I want it. Because mm. they're like a teal blue. I wanted the green ones because I could do actually do ER Dr. Luigi for MAGFest. Oh, well, I mean, like if you I, if you go back and return them or exchange or something afterward, you could probably do that. I'm going to. I figure by I figure beginning of December, I'll go looking because what they did have them in that color, but it wasn't Amazon Prime shipping. So I'm like, I'll have to order them a month in advance, make sure I have them in time. I was going to say, to be honest, I've never had Amazon Prime and I always get my packages within a week. Yeah, but but you know, hold on. I'm gonna pause this for a second. All right. Now, <laughs> this is the thing I've always, this is the issue I've always had with Prime. Now, if there's an item I'm looking for, let's say there's a case for my phone, I find it for three ninety nine. That's a perfect price. Two dollars shipping, five ninety nine. Great. It'll come here in a week. That's perfect. I order everything I need. I'll have the case. The cables, I always have extra cables for my phone, and a screen protector at my house in a week. Perfect. Amazon Prime, the case isn't $2.99. It's $4.99 or $5.99 with two-day shipping. That's not so bad. But when you try to find the item that you want and it's not covered by by Prime shipping and you do find it, it's usually a lot more expensive and you're just like, Fuck. Yeah, it's one of those things where unless you find other benefits from the service, it's not actually worth it in the end. Well, I, I, I am not going to lie. I did sign up for Amazon Music because it's unlimited for Prime users. Um, I have I subscribed to video, you know. I mean, that comes with it, so I can't complain about that. And I actually split Prime with uh, Mako. So. And given that it's like, at the time, it was only 99 so, you know, I feel 50 per... It's not so bad. 60 per Yeah, it's not so bad if you split it with friends yeah. or things like that where you can get the cost down, but the reliability's gone down significantly with all the union strikes and everything like well, that because of their business practices and stuff like well, that. Well, let me, let me just say this about, about, about their business practice, one thing, and then we can go into... Yeah, we'll yeah. go into... Uh, Articles. Yeah. Now, I know a lot of people thought it was a great idea. Everybody in their warehouses starts at 15 and out. Actually, anybody that works at Amazon, Whole Foods, all their subsidiaries, minimum wage is 15 right off the bat. And I thought that, and that goes to effect like tomorrow or something like that. And I think that's a great thing. Now, one thing people were complaining about for people who work in the fulfillment centers, they're getting, they're eliminating perks. Now, I understand why they're upset, but you got to look at it from this point of view. Now, I used to work in a place that processed clearing house, sweepstakes forms, like Publishers Clearinghouse and all that shit, you know. Now, you got your base wage, hourly wage, plus you got a spiff for each one that you, each form you process. Now, if you process, if you are faster than everybody else, you will get bonuses on top of that. 
People are complaining that it's not fair that they eliminated like the spiffs and all of that. Now think about it. Do you think it's fair that somebody that's faster than you should get more money than you? If you are in the lead, then yes. If you can't keep up, then no. The 15 an hour is an even playing field. One of the things I don't like is the fact that they eliminated every year you would get a share of Amazon as a bonus. That is a little sneaky. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, that's their their business prerogative. I know we've kind of mm -hmm. talked about how yeah. businesses kind of have the last say in how they handle things. Yeah. And, and some of their policies can really suck. And some of their policies, it's it's kind of a give and take in this particular instance, I think, is that because they are trying to appease them in one way, they're 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 basically baiting with the carrot and and coming back with the stick, being like, Yeah, you guys can arrange this, but know that we really have the power. Mm. And so, you know, it's just a demonstration of of hierarchy and politics and bullshit. But anyway, we're not. We're we're gonna go into some articles, I guess now. Yeah. And, Let's you know, do that. And I put together tonight's tonight's outline. So forgive me. It doesn't have the quite flair of Mako, but it is the, most half the articles I believe are Halloween themed. And I know you, Ichigo, you're going to have a fun time with those. Oh yeah, me loves some costumes. And all the costumes and the fashion and the and the anime helping helping to crack conundrums. Uh, Ichigo? Yeah? Your Wins your Wisconsin accent is slipping out. Oh, I don't have a Wis I don't have an accent. That is like one thing. I don't know. I get very excited, I guess, that I get a, a made up accent from some country or city or state I am not from. I mean, it does um, sound like a bit of a southern twang. It is like it sounds like you're from um Wisconsin like Alcrea. Oh, she's going so, to kick my ass for that So one. I guess if you guys hear an accent in my voice, post in the chat where you think I'm from. Because I'm probably not from there. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> um, We're going to take our first break and we'll be back.
Well, I decided to make things a little more Halloween-ish, you know, if you didn't know, that was opening from um, Soul Eater. And the thing is, I was going to put um, the ending thing to Helsing, but I was like, I did it already. Let's go with something different. So, uh, let's see. Hold on. <laughs> I'm in an another chat of and a friend of mine and I posted a picture or, you know something one of my friends was like good god clean up uh your coffee table I'm going to post an updated picture of my coffee table for them but anywho let, let, let's get into um tonight's topics and so forth um now this is something we have talked about on this show a few times and I think even people in the industry have talked about this but I don't recall if we've ever had like a mangaka or, or mention something about this. And what we're talking about is Scanlations. The, the mangaka of Gangsta is asking Scanlators to stop sharing it. Because the thing is, you know, companies do lose money off of this. Because instead of you paying like five bucks for the manga, you're just downloading it for free. And when that happens, people, companies end up shutting down uh, and what has happened a lot of companies in the industry have done like PSAs and so forth you know to tell people not to do it and give alternate ways to legally get it you know excuse me so yeah we've covered this a few times on the show um, as far as like scan scanlations and the business of counterfeit and the business of 
of taking, I guess, uh, media that is for print and behind like a pay or a paywall and taking it and making it kind of free source mm-hmm. or open source. Um, and, and unfortunately that's just how it is in the market. Um, but yeah, it, it definitely does hurt the artists. It doesn't just hurt the companies. It hurts the artists. It hurts the illustrators. It hurts the production team. It doesn't just hurt like huge companies. It also hurts smaller companies and smaller artists. So just kind of a shitty thing to do. Very. So the mangaka of Gangsta took to Twitter to talk about this. He wrote on this Twitter in English that scans rob her of her income and still add revenue from her publisher. She added that if she cannot earn money from her manga, she'll have to quit. And as the tweet says, which came out two days ago, scans translated, uploaded by some have robbed my readers, my income, and publishers' advertisement revenues. Please stop translating, uploading. Some Japanese are also searching and reading for your scan. Really disappointing. Now, if you are like Naoko Takeuchi or Rumiko Takahashi or Akira Toriyama, you're probably not going to care as much because you have that money. You're good. But people who are starting their first or second series, that money is still trickling in. So when you take away, it just hurts them, you know? Hold on. Anywho, so <clears throat> Koshke, the the mangaka of Gangsta, said that um, she would like to take a vacation with her beloved family and assistants if the income improves, which is a good thing. I mean, all their hard work, you treat them. I think that's really good. Treat your team. Yep. That's a good good play on treat yourself mm-hmm. because it's team building. Yay! It is. Shing- Shinchosha published the eighth volume of Gangsta in Japan on May 9th, and it ranked in the Oricon's top 50 comic book volumes during the month of its release. The volume was first released since Kosuke's return after taking a hiatus due to poor health. Viz will release the eighth volume here in English March of next year. Basically, the manga revolves around Nick and Warwick, two men who take on jobs from both the mafia and the police in the town of Ergatsalum a rotten town filled with mafia hoodlums, prostitutes, and dirty cops. Kosuke launched the original manga and Shinchocha's monthly comic at Bunch in 20, magazine in 2010. Twelve, the 12-episode 12 series premiered in July of 2015, and Funimation did stream that. Cool. Alright, so long story short, I, I get it and I understand. I just had a discussion with a friend earlier. She was saying, you know, mangas are too expensive. Do better cop, better quality. Now, I've been under the mindset that mangas, the trade paperbacks, have been like 15 bucks for like the last 20 years. Give or take. Um, I mean, I guess it yeah. depends. To me, that's like the price of an omnibus. Yeah, but um, that's how much I paid. I mean, like, volume one of a graphic novel, 15 bucks. No, most graphic novels that I saw when I was growing up were between 3 to $5. No, I'm talking no, I'm not, not, I'm not talking about, like, a single issue. Oh, okay, you're talking, talking about, like, collections yeah, of issues? Yeah, the, the graphic novel, like, volume one, volume two, those. 
Well, I mean, also back in the day, they didn't have omnibuses. So uh, yeah. are we just considering like modern times? Or are we considering like just full collections as it is versus like someone going online and, and just reading it? I don't know. I mean, I remember like right before I went into the military and when I got out, those those graphic novels were available. Well, you can only get them at mostly comic shops now. You can get them anywhere, but that's so much. Yeah, like, yeah, they were specialized. So yeah. it was like if you went into the bookstore, you could or maybe you probably wouldn't because it wasn't like a specialized store. Yeah, true, true. But if you're talking about like buying the whole collection of books yeah. versus that's what I'm talking about. That's what I'm okay. Talking about. Cause, okay. Cause no, I, I totally get it. Like, yeah. but see, even then omnibuses are only like books one through 10 or one through 20 or whatever. They're not yeah. going to have all of them. So even yeah. if yeah, you had the mm-hmm. yeah. omnibus, it's probably going to yeah, cost and, and, you between yeah. 30 and $45 for the whole collection. Yeah, because... So there is, there is a perk, I guess, to people who don't want to pay money for that. But at the same time, if you don't, then the artist isn't going to have the funds to continue producing the content you love. Yeah, and nowadays, that's how it comes. Either you pick up the monthly Shonen Jump, or you pick up like that volume. Because they're not putting out individual issues as they used to. A couple of companies still are, but for the long runs, it's just you're buying like the books. It's the cost. It's it's mm-hmm. honestly, ultimately, the cost. If they could sell 10 books of... I guess, uh, uh, let's say Shokugeki no Show. If they could sell 10 books of that versus just having it in a magazine that has a compilation of five, 10 other manga for five ninety nine, like, what are they going to do? They're probably just going to put it in that magazine. So it's like three chapters. So they put three chapters in this book that's a compilation of a bunch of stories. And people go and they buy that book for five ninety nine. Now, Shokugeki no Show might not get the full amount of money that they'd really love to get if they were able to publish full 20 chapter books or whatever and in in serialization but because of cost it just made it easier for them mm-hmm. um unfortunately that's kind of where the industry has gone because even with newspapers you'll notice a lot of them have gone digital because it's just such a cost prohibitive way of being it's just a cost prohibitive way of of kind of existing in the world now because everything is so fast paced, so digital already. So, I mean, it, it sucks to see that it's going to kind of continue to be a thing because people don't think it's worth it to buy the books. But at the same time, like I don't see it changing very soon. Yeah. Well, it is what it is, but, um, moving along from manga, manga and so forth to Haruhi, what, Tell, tell us about this, 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 this discovery. This so moving along from manga to anime, <laughs> Haruhi is helping to crack a twenty-five-year-old mathematical conundrum. So math and anime don't shame you anymore in front of your parents. Before, um, before, so before, we, a... before we continue, mm-hmm? one, my old roommate would get a kick out of this, and two. He actually sat there, and I think he actually figured out that that long, complicated mathematic equation from um, Madoka. Whoa! Okay. Yes. Yeah. He math. He 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 has a master's in mathematics or something like that. Yeah. 
I envy you, sir. Mm -hmm. Kudos and thumbs up. I cannot maths. I'm very bad at maths. Um, there's a long-standing fan argument of the correct way to watch the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya. When the first anime season premiered on TV, the episodes were not shown in chronological order. The anime was then released on home video, but with the episodes rearranged sequentially. The original episode order added an element of mystery to a series that already included ESPers, or espers, time travelers, and aliens. Given the supernatural events taking place left and right, there's an argument to be made about which episode order is more correct. A poster on 4chan's science message board posted a simple, or poised, rather, a simple question in 2011, which was, which way is the most efficient way to watch every possible episode in the right order of Melancholy Haruhi Suzumiya's uh, 14 episodes, like the whole collection? And no one expected the answer to have real-life real applications outside of anime fandom, much less help crack a conundrum that's been stumping mathematicians for 25 years. Computer scientist and mathematician Robin Houston discovered the question on the Math and Science Wikia page and tweeted about it on Tuesday. An anonymous 4chaner posted that it, the... Oh, sorry. An anonymous 4chan poster had offered a solution to the question and inadvertently also helped to solve part of a mathematical equation focused on super... pure. Sorry. Words today. Super... Super permutations. Um, in terms of anime, a permutation would be any particular episode order. The TV airing of Haruhi Suzumiya is one permutation, while the home video release order would be another permutation. A super permutation, in this case, would be watching every singular permutation of the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya in one go. And in the last 25 years, minds hadn't yet figured out a formula to calculate the shortest super... Super... Mm. Super permutation. Sorry, that was actually a writing edit in the article. Whoops. Um, but Haruhi's problem has helped to that search along. Uh, Greg Egan, a sci-fi writer, also made a breakthrough earlier this month by figuring out how to find the largest possible super permutation. I don't know why that word is hard for me. Sorry, guys. Professional mathematicians have double-checked the anonymous poster's work, and it checks out. Marquette University's Jay Pantone offered a write-up of the answer's proof for other mathematicians. The super permutation formula isn't completed yet, but thanks to breakthroughs by the anonymous Haruhi poster and Egan, mathematicians are much closer to hammering it out. The Verge asked Pantone to calculate the shortest possible permu super permutation of the melancholy of Haruhi Suzumiya, and the results rivaled Yuki's experience in the Endless Eight. A viewer would have to watch at least... Whew! Okay. 93,884,313,611 episodes to accomplish the task. Hmm. You know, just a few, a few billion. See, that reminds me of one time me, my old roommate, and his brother, we were watching Big Bang Theory, and... <clears throat> We're on episode two, where they're trying to bring a package up the stairs. And um, those two nim nimrods start screaming, arguing about how they, um, 
how they bring the package up the stairs. It's like a large package. Figure out the angles. My roommate got paused the paused the episode, pulled out tracing paper, traced it, and they actually went into his work in his in his office with rulers and protractors trying to figure out the actual angle that they needed. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, I know. I used to live with a bunch of nerds. Anywho, moving right along, we have we got, we got some crime to talk about real quick. The crime of counterfeit Yu-Gi-Oh cards. In this case, an ultra-rare Yu-Gi-Oh card. It seems that the woman who bought the card noticed the flaw and it set a hunt for a culprit that, ha that ended halfway across Japan. Now for the record. I used to play Magic. For a while, you were allowed to use proxy cards. Provided you had proof you owned the actual original. And I get it. You're playing the game. You don't want to take that rare card and put it in. You'd rather have a proxy. And a lot of times, proxies are bootleg as fuck. But here's something that happened a different way. This week, investigators from the Kyoto Prefecture's police Shimogamo Precinct cracked a counterfeiting case, nabbing their man halfway across the country. Last week, Shunki Iwasaki, a resident of Tokyo Sinagawa's ward, was under arrest and now stands to face a variety of charges. This comes after eight months after Iwasaki passed off a bootleg card as a real thing, something he admitted to doing. However, he wasn't dealing in illicit duplicates of classical art or paper currency or any other wares that involved counterfeit crimes. It was a counterfeit Yu-Gi-Oh card, and he was trying to get a quick buck off. And it just wasn't a regular common card either. It was a rare card. Lorelei, the Symphonic Arsenal card. What happened was, back in February of this year, he posted a listing on Yahoo Auctions that he was selling the card. Now, it was never commercially available. It was given to winners of the 2008 Yu-Gi-Oh! World Championship Tournament, and there's only six of those cards available in the whole world. You hear me? Six. A 20-something woman living in Kyoto purchased a card for 400,000 yen, which is about $3,600. But when she got it, she noticed the card was slightly off. The illustration was more colorful than it should have been with a rainbow-like array of hues. She went to the police, and they were able to track him down. While Iwasaki admits that he figured the card was probably a fake, he didn't make the imitation Lorelei, and so the Kyoto police are currently looking into the avenue by which he, Iwasaki obtained the cards to bring the counterfeiter to justice. But regardless of that, what he did was enough to get him arrested because he did sell something counterfeit. With the initial charges filing being copyright infringement ones, since the card bore the name and logo of Yu-Gi-Oh! parent company Konami. Investigators also determining whether or not fraud charges are applicable, though they seem incredibly likely considering that the hefty price the woman paid for the piece of paper 
that, that was entirely dependent on the assumption that it was a genuine official card. It is unclear whether or not Iwasaki still has the woman's money, and by extension, whether or not she's going to get it back. However, considering that some Yu-Gi-Oh cards have been offered for sale for as much as 45 million yen, even if the money she gave him is gone forever, things could have been far worse. For the rest of us, this incident serves as an important reminder of the importance of verifying the, authentic, the authenticity of collector's items before completing the transaction, and if you can't, you might be better off sticking with with admiring rare Yu-Gi-Oh cards from from uh, from the franchises altogether. Jesus fuck. Mako, you still there? I mean, uh, Ichigo, you still there? I can't hear you, Ichigo. Yes, your audio is weird. For those of you who don't know, Ichigo's audio kind of went the way of the dodo bird. All right, until her audio comes back, I will move along. All right, we'll bring up this article and let's get some let's get some music playing in the background cuz we got we got to talk Guinness Book of World Records here. And I think this is pretty freaking awesome. There we go. I know I've played this a few times on the show, so wait, Ichigo, is that you? It must be because I don't go. know what happened. Everything was plugged in fine, and I went from muted to unmuted, and then, then I you could not hear me. Mm. I will not be silenced. Skype, shake fist. But please continue. No, no, you're back. You can talk about Precure. Okay, let me just do that. So yeah, like Grandma was saying, the latest. Pretty Cure movie got into the Guinness World Record on opening day. On October 27th, uh, the latest feature film based on the longest-running anime series, Pretty Cure, was released, uh, titled Hukuto Pretty Cure Futari Pretty Cure All-Star Memories. It is a special chapter in the franchise commemorating its 15th year. For those unfamiliar with the series, it tends to reboot on a near yearly basis with an all-new cast of characters, but retaining the same overall themes of magical teen girls battling monsters with an array of weapons that can later be marketed. Um, 15 years of reboots adds up to a lot of characters, which include 55 to be exact, and this movie is the first to include them all together. For fans of the series, it's a dream come true. But for the makers of Pretty Cure, it's become a place in the record books. Hukuto Pretty Cure Futari Pretty Cure All-Star Memories has gotten a Guinness World Record on its opening day. And no, it isn't for most redundancy in the movie title. That honor still goes to seven. Rather, it has gotten the record for the most magical warriors in the animated motion picture. As if the movie itself weren't enough cause for fans to celebrate... They also came out online with messages of congratulations for the franchise, as well as other observations as, Fans must be very pleased. I saw the movie and was moved. 
With so many warriors, it sounds like a violent film. By the way, what other anime has magical warriors? It's getting crowded in there. Brilliant idea. They can just break their own record every year. However, with all due respect for Pretty Cure, this is a terrible record for a very simple reason. Guinness World Records are meant to be given to human and animal accomplishments, like excellence in sports, business, or blowing bubbles with a tarantula in one's mouth. By adding 55 magical warriors, it's more of a decision than a real accomplishment. According to the Guinness Book of World Records, the criteria is that all warriors must have magical powers, names, and lines of dialogue. None of it mentions anything about the quality of performance of the movie. So all the article writer would have to do is fart out a screenplay for the 100 wizard samurai of Fukyu Sakasu, and boom, he's in the books. In fact, despite the inherent crappiness of his story, he now has a real good chance of a studio picking it up because he can guarantee them a Guinness World Record upon its release. Luckily, there's a simple fix. All Guinness has to do is redefine the record as most magical warriors in a successful anime film and then define successful as a certain amount of sales. This way, Pretty Cure's record can be an actual accomplishment and also be protected from conniving opportunists like himself. Hopefully, Guinness takes that advice and protects the integrity of the organization we've entrusted the honor of the very finest of balloon-busting butts and kicking yourself in the head. Well then, you know, I never really got into Precure, because I just thought of it like a knockoff of, of, um, of Sailor, Sailor Moon. Moon? Yeah. yeah. It was one of those ones where it just, it came out at just the wrong time, at least for uh, folks of my generation, and it was also a little bit of like, it was a little too soft, because Sailor Moon had a lot of dark dark tones and dark characters and, and backstory to it. Whereas pretty cures just kind of like the, the run of the mill. Like if you're five or seven, you might enjoy it. But after that, you're pretty much over that kind of like, Oh, they fight. Oh, there's evil. Oh no. Um, and then they banish the evil. Like it's a very simple story. It's a formulaic kind of thing. So you get kind of tired of those pretty fast. Uh, yeah. But um, let's see, what do we have here? All right. Hmm. Do you want to take the next two articles and I knock out the last one? The, uh, yeah, I could take the next two. All right, yeah. I, I know that's more for you, but I know this is stuff that you really enjoy. And I know you'll get more into it than I would. I really like the host club stuff and the anime costumes. So I'm very excited. Um, Tokyo Host Club opens its doors to female cosplayers for a special photo shoot event. It was an afternoon, alcohol-free open house, which provided luxurious backdrops and a chat chance to chat and snap photos with the hosts. Japan's Host Club offered a more or less standardized set of services to their female customers. You take a seat in a luxurious lounge, relax, sip drinks, and check out and chat with abundant of, uh, an abundance of eye candy um, and handsome, well-groomed men who are on hand to conversationally pamper you. Mm -hmm. Those are all part of an upcoming event at the host club, uh, Top Dandy, in Tokyo's Kubukicho Nightlife District. However, there will be one other activity on the schedule. The schedule. Cosplay. I told you to or, shut down. Schedule. Um, 
Organizer billing the event as the industry's first cosplay event, which that's an unfortunate name. Um, combining a photo session opportunity for participating female cosplayers with a taste of the host club experience. Uh, the doors will open early in the morning to allow cosplayers one hour to change into their outfits before they're eventually joined by Talk Dandy's hosts and wrapping everything at 5 p.m. Uh, the club is actually served as filming location for TV dramas and movies and even more for dramatic photos um, that the entry fee included uh, includes with things like the Champagne Tower experience for guests, which is normally a premium priced option um, for your visit. In addition to taking those photos with the host, there will be other entertainment provided by four female DJs supplying background muse, music and muse, I guess. Uh, while the standard business practices for the host club um, is to basically have a low cover charge and then upsell them on expensive alcoholic drinks, the host place event is going to be $45 entrance fee and it's going to include all you can drink soft drinks and no alcohol will be served during this afternoon event. It's also open to all ages, which I think is another choice for them not having alcohol at the event. And they are allowed to bring their own food if they want something to munch on. Only female cosplayers will be admitted, though, although any accompanying personal photographer can be of either sex. While cosplayers aren't required to crossplay as male hosts, that seems to be the route that Akko and Tono, two of the event's cosplay ambassadors, seem to be going, and they look very charming. Um, Top Dandy's host club is scheduled for November 18th, and reservations can be made on their website at Top Dandy. Let me see. Uh, but yeah, if you look up uh, Top Dandy or you look up Hosplay, um, it's, I think, mostly available to those who already live in the Tokyo area, though. So don't get your hopes up. I'm sure that we'll probably have something at, um, I wouldn't be surprised if there's some stuff going on at host clubs here in the States at conventions. I mean, we have similar things here, too, but it's just not the same. No, it's just the cultural differences. It's just America's culture doesn't handle these kind of situations similarly. Um, I mean, host clubs to me are a much more American style experience than things like maid cafes or cosplay cafes are. Um, but still, the American public handles things uh, not quite as daintily as um, the traditional Japanese public does. But also, if you're trying to get some spoop, your spoop on, your spook on, your craziness on, your Halloween, um, and your cosplay, or for those of us who cosplay every day, that's my life, um, <laughs> add a Japanese anime twist to your Halloween costume with unisex kimono cosplay. And it's really, really neat because it's based on one of my favorite series of all time. And what series so. is that for those who, who, were, who are not playing the home version of this game? Gigigi no Kitaro! Have you, have you been following the new series? No, I haven't had a chance to follow the new series yet, but that's because I've been working really hard. But I did grow up watching the old series and reading the old series manga and graphic novels, so I'm very, very excited for this. Japan's spookiest yokai anime releases a range of gorgeous outfits just in time for Halloween! If you're thinking about dressing up as a spooky character, can't really get much spookier than a yokai, just saying! From the world of Japanese anime this Halloween, look no further than Gigigi no Kitaro. Originally known as Kitaro of the Graveyard, this anime first started out as a manga series created in the 1960s by Japanese writer and artist Shigeru Mizuki, and it's since been adapted into anime, video games, and live-action movie. 
It's best known for its intriguing cast of yokai, or supernatural spirits that are from Japanese folklore. Yay! Leading the cast of their supernatural adventures is Kitaro, a half-human and half-yokai, being committed to maintaining peace between the yokai and human worlds. Kitaro is known for having an empty eye socket hidden under his hair, where his grandfather, Midama Oyaji, who was once a ghost and is now a large eyeball, sometimes resides. Mmm, hmm. eyeball. <laughs> this actually is one of my favorite outfits because the Madama Oyaji eyeball is one of the most famous famous images from the series and now basically they've made him into an oversized stylized hoodie and it is adorable because it's basically a giant black hoodie that engulfs you with a little red eyeball on it. It's great. If you prefer to hand channel a half human half yokai like Kitaro, there are three outfits to choose from. So they've got a parka they have a tie vest, and they also have a striped parka. Um, they're all kind of stylized in the striped and blue way that Kitaro's outfit usually looks. But there's also a few that are similar more to kimono or unisex kimono that are a little bit on the higher price range in about the $250-$240 range. There are other cast member outfits too, such as the Niko Mutsume, which is the cat girl one piece, which is more similar to a Lolita outfit, or the Nezumi Otoko, a rat man room wear, which is more like a nightgown with an oddly pointy hood. I don't, I don't know about that. Um, one of the most eye-catching pieces, however, of the whole collection is the Suna, Sunakaka Kake. Nub, nub, I can't get words today. Baba sand-throwing hag. <laughs> Sorry. Which blends the Japanese and Western styles to create a wa kind of Lolita dress, which is very sweet purple color. But yeah, overall, the outfits are really cute, and um, they're also in children's sizes. So if you are in the area of Japan, or you like Gigigi no Kitaro like I do, or you're just a big horror fan, but you also love cute things... Um, definitely go check out that collection. It's super fun. I can see I'm, you in that kimono. I, you know, honestly, I would rock the eyeball hoodie. Like, that would be top. But I do like the kimono. It is the perfect shade of, like, a pastel purple. I think I can't see you in the, um, in the cat girl outfit. It's, it seems like it's just too plain for you. It's just, it's not, red, red is not really my color all over my body. In little bits and pieces, yes. But I would have to style that dress differently. And then the rat hoodie, I don't, I don't know. But the, there's some design things there that I, I, I'm i not a big fan of. <laughs> but the parkas and the stuff for guys looks really fun. But yeah, I'm still all about that red eyeball. What is it with you and eyeballs? They're just so squishy. Oh, good lord. Also, no one can curse you on Halloween if you poke them in the eyes. Well, now. Now, we're going to talk about a series. Some of you have probably have heard of this. It's called River City Ransom. It was a popular game for the Nintendo. Came back for the Game Boy Advance and 3DS. There was also a spin-off game that's probably called... Uh, Vigilante for Topographic 16, I believe, and there was another one called, and I forget the one, the other one for NES. I can't remember the name. Of it. I had the game, but anywho, it's all based around a series of characters called Kunio Kun, and it's very popular in Japan. 
so popular in fact that it's going to be a stage play you know i kind of want to see kunioku fight jotaro from part three because <laughs> they're both a couple of delinquents if not jotaro kuabra from yu yu hakusho but, um, I mean, it would follow the theme that's been going on of more more gangster and more delinquent anime and manga coming out, so I can definitely see that. And actually, Kunio-kun is on my list of cosplays. But um, what it is is that Solid Star announced uh, last month that it is producing a stage play adaptation of Technos Japan's Kunio-kun games. The play will run from November 21st to the 25th at Tokyo Zero Sai Hall Space Zero. And the poster looks like a cover from from out of a video game. That's pretty freaking cool. Techno Japan released the game in the Kunio-kun series back in 1986, and the series had numerous installments since then. Some of the games were in it came here with different titles and changes, such as River City Ransom, like I mentioned. Oh yeah, the other one was called Renegade. And if you also remember Crash in the Boys Street Challenge, that was also a Kunio-kun game as well. And also Tecmo World Cup and Super Dodgeball. Those were all Kunio-kun games. In case you haven't heard, Arc System Works acquired the rights to a number of Technos Japan games, including Double Dragon, Super Dodgeball, River City Ransom, and Kunio-kun games June of 2015. The company will release Kunio-kun, the World Classics Collection, a collection of games in the franchise on PS4, Xbox One, and Switch on December 20th with a PC release via Steam at a later date. And I will be picking that son of a bitch up. I cannot wait. I don't know, I just loved playing River City Ransom as a kid. It was just the expressions when you beat up, they go barf and stuff like that. And in the later games, if you pay attention to some of the names, there are references to pop culture characters and stuff, which is kind of fun. I do, I think, remember some of that game, but it was mostly that, like, it was like videos of playthroughs, maybe? I'll have to go and look it up because it sounds like it was interesting. Mm. I know they did a, a, a spin-off game called River City Underground. I have yet to play it. I have to pick that up. I think that looks fun, but I definitely, I definitely want this collection now. I'm kind of excited. I mean, they actually had a medieval Japanese game, and I picked it up from the e-store. They changed it to a medieval European game. I don't know why. I think that's one of the reasons why I have not really played through it, but I, but I will. Anywho, and if you go to our chat room at live.vognetwork.com, um, Bob Coffee says Joe Toro will win the matchup 10 nothing. I believe it. To register participation for this week's episode of Anime Jam Session on vognetwork.com, use the passphrase Zebra. And I just realized something. I never finished our intro, but anywho, we're on Discord, vognetwork.com slash Discord. Chat room is live.vognetwork.com. Uh, AnimeJamSession.com slash Vognetwork. IRC link will bring you to the chat room if you have Chatzilla. Uh, check-ins are live. Um, if, you're not, if you're listening on the podcast feed, there is a passphrase somewhere in this episode. You hear it, 
punch it in at vognetwork.com and earn VOD points. And don't forget, we are transitioning to Twitch TV sometime in January of 2019. That means I have to get off my ass and start getting shit together. My mm. studio is almost set up, so all I have to do is smack some makeup on my face and not be a troll person. Mm. Yeah. I have to actually see something about creating, like, like, like the logos and the templates all that. I'm just like, I don't. No, I totally understand that pain. I am drawing all my stuff for my channel because I'm also going to do some YouTube stuff soon. Wee! Yeah. But yeah, no, Ron, if you want any help with that, you know me. I'm I'm around. I appreciate that. I figure, you know, we'll keep using Twitch for, uh, for our show, and I'll use Facebook Live for, like, convention stuff. And if I can figure it out, maybe I'll use Twitch for that as well. We'll just see how things go. I know, um, actually, I could probably just link it both to Facebook Live and Twitch, so... I know a couple of people that do that now. But, anywho, now that we got that all out the way... You want me to take the first one, Ranma? Please. For those of you who enjoy food fantasy, or maybe have some food fantasies of your own, KFC Japan has person personified more food with its new sandwich as fantasy characters. Japan loves KFC, at KFC. Like, I, I don't know if you guys know this, but Japan fucking loves KFC. All right. But anyway, so Japan loves KFC from celebrity endorsement to wild promotional giveaways. The country's chicken lovers are always ready for new ways to support the fast food chain. And they now have something new to celebrate because a bunless chicken sandwich. I'm sorry. The buns got me. They don't they don't got the buns, hun. Um, is making its triumphant return. So basically, a, a chicken breast? I don't know. Okay. A promotional video and website debuted the honor of the double sandwich on Monday. And the sandwich has two fried chicken fillets instead of buns. Oh, okay. So this is the touchdown slash heart attack combo. Yeah. Nestled in between the chicken buns. I'm sorry. I just imagine a chicken doing a booty dance. Um, is bacon, cheddar cheese, and barbecue sauce with mustard relish. A similar sandwich known as the Chicken Filet Double first appeared in Japan in 2012. Oh, and for those of you who are excited, the McRib is back. Mm. Um, for the promotional campaign, though, a great war between good and evil forces happened a thousand years ago, i.e. in 2012. And the Double and its five elementals called the Meat Pentagon... The aspects of the double, I'm sorry, <laughs> appeared through the demon's gate. Well, I'm, and they were... I'm picturing this thing that it resembles the fucking Triforce and Link and Ganon are fighting over it. It's a pentagon, though, not a triangle, I Ranma. know, but still. I know, and they were soon sealed away again, and the years of silence followed. That is definitely like a Legend of Zelda Link-like storyline. Um, the meat pentagon... I'm sorry, I can't take this article seriously. Are the characters that appear in the video Lord of Flame, which is voiced by Jun Fukuyama, Burning Phoenix, which is also voiced by Fukuyama, the Paladin of Sauce, which is voiced by Yoshitsugu Matsuyoka, Cheddar Lucifer. I, I, I'm sorry, I gotta take a second. <laughs> okay. So... <laughs> Cheddar Lucifer, which is voiced by Sumire Uesaka, and the Time Executor, voiced by Fukuyama again. The video and website describe the sandwich's return with a fantasy story, but also explain the meaning behind the tale in parentheses. The story's absolute mana 
The secrets of the devil's deliciousness are its cheddar cheese, barbecue sauce, mustard relish, and fried chicken. The devil will invade KFC restaurants through Japan on November 1st. Uh, and the art style in the video is, is more akin to what I imagine, like, some of my friends drew in high school when they were trying to draw anime style. Yeah. So it's a little, it's like a little bit like, it's, it's, it's an older style. So if you like that style, definitely, definitely go check it out. And have fun laughing at the article as much as I did. <laughs> you do that. Anywho, here's something interesting. If you want to be guided around Tokyo by a ninja, there is an upcoming app that will allow you to do so. I mean, you could get a photographer or a translator, but how about a ninja? So check this out. Starting next year, you can download Wappin Guide. W-A-P-P-I-N-G-U-I-D-E. Weapon Guide, which can easily connect you to Japan natives with all kinds of skills that can help you make your trip to Japan easier, more interesting, and a lot more fun. The app is designed to be able to bring a local guide or professional to you within 15 minutes. Based on photos, it seems... Oh, hold on one second here. I forgot to, te I forgot to put, it back, put, put the loop back on. And it's okay. <laughs> It's... I, I blame it on Halloween. Anywho. Based on the photos, it seems like users will have the option to search for a professional via a map or by a requested skill, and each guide will have a profile showcasing their skills and explaining their rates. There will also be a messaging function where clients and guides can communicate directly about meeting up, payment, contract, offering and requesting services that will be quite easy to do. Wapping Guide was developed by SurveyBox, a relatively new company whose focus is design and development and sales of virtual labor, and is also the brainchild of the CEO and 22-year-old Waseda student Takeru Kobayashi. Kobayashi himself is a volunteer ninja guide in Tokyo, and thanks to all the time he has spent with foreign visitors, he has learned firsthand the kinds of services they wish they had access to while here in Japan. It's why he created... That's why he founded SurveyBox and developed Weapon Guide to help visitors have the best possible time while on vacation in Japan. With the number of visitors reaching to a new high of 30 million people this year, an app like this can be highly useful for both visitors and locals who now have a chance to earn a little extra on the side. That's cool. Well, I know what I'm going to be looking up for my trip next year. Seriously? I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, it'll all depend on what uh, what my hubs wants to do, but but it definitely does sound like fun. Um, if not if not to become the next ninja Hokage, um, then maybe to do something else, like have a translator. He wants to do some foodie stuff, so that might be something like finding a Japanese local that is really good about food. That would be really cool, or finding someone who knows the museums really well. That would be something I would love. There you go. Um, yeah. So it sounds like it, it is a really cool service. So if you are checking out Japan, definitely check that service out. It sounds really neat. Wapping Guide is slated for release in the spring of next year. Its registration for guides is now open to allow for service to be fully online upon the app's release. At first, it'll only be available for iOS and in English, but there'll be plans for additional language capability in the future, and hopefully for Android as well. 
since it is the dominating mobile OS. Anywho, since uh, since authorities anticipate 920,000 foreign visitors per day during the Tokyo 2020 Olympics, this could be a great opportunity for foreign language speakers and individuals with unique skills to make a little bit more money than what the organizing committee is offering of $1.25 an hour. Perhaps this also increase help Japan's appeal for Western tourists both before and after the Olympics since they are less inclined to visit the country than their Asian counterparts. To have a ninja by your side in 15 minutes or less? I mean, who wouldn't want that? That's pretty freaking cool. And I think we lost Ichigo yet again. Yes, yes we did. Because I wanted her to read this last story. If she doesn't come back in a few seconds, I will probably read it. Because this type of stuff is like right up her alley, you know? Oh, she says she can read it. I have a feeling that... Wait, wait, I hear something. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I don't know why it keeps doing this. It's totally plugged in, and the only thing I change is... It must be Skype, because the only thing I change is that I'm not muted. Yay. Maybe there's a short in the microphone. No, it's not in the mic. Okay. Because the mic's perfectly fine. It's just when I un like I mute and I unmute myself. Anyway, yay, mm. Skype. Um, did you start the other article no, yet? No, I did not. Okay. Um, going from something super helpful to something super terrifying. A Japanese mother received an innocent baby toy as a gift, and it turned out to be a bouncing head from hell. Um... If you know a lot of yokai culture or Japanese mythology, there are head demons. However, this is not one. This is one toy apparently that you should stay clear of. Since having a newborn baby often means being showered with adorable baby gifts and presents from friends and relatives to welcome the newest addition to the family, when a Japanese Twitter user, NeonNeon27, received a little toy featuring the head of popular Japanese hero series Man. She was eager to show it to her eight-month-old daughter. It's shaped like a ball, and the contraption is supposed to entertain kids by playing the theme of Anpanman while vibrating vigorously and bouncing around in a random fashion. What could possibly go wrong? Many things, as it turns out. Mm. As Nyan Nyan 27 said, When I inserted the batteries into the toy that someone gave me as a present and switched it on, its movements were just so creepy. Utterly different from what I had expected, and my daughter burst into tears when I showed it to her for the first time. Well, having a dismembered anime character's head bounce around on the floor as if alive can be rather unnerving indeed. Netizen's experience seemed to differ, though, as some kids loved it, while other ones got ones that crawled along the floor in a slightly less terrifying manner. Nevertheless, the majority of netizens thought the mother's umpaman toy to be rather hilarious. I, too, have that toy in my family, and we were all shocked at first. My son was scared to the point of crying, but he's used to it now, and it has become his favorite. Anpanman is intense, isn't he? Cats would go crazy over this. <laughs> it looks like an insect head that's still moving after being severed. Okay, we go dark. Uh, looks like a toy that YouTubers would buy a hundred of and make videos from. Shots fired. Um, although not all such Anpanman toys that are creepy, uh, are, are that creepy, rather, 
We can't recommend it as a baby's gift since cute anime characters with frightening features have the potential to traumatize infants for life, which apparently is another thing altogether. And unless you intend it to be a ghastly Halloween gift, something with no eerily erratic movement might be a safer option. Yes, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. I watched the video and it moved around pretty, I, I like, it like jumps. It's, I don't know. If I were a child, I'd be confused for a second, I think, and then amused. But I can definitely see how it would scare other people. You were a strange child growing up, weren't you? I was. If you want to hear stories about why I was a strange child. If you can make definitely. it, if you can make it quick. Oh, no, I was just saying that in general. Like, I, I, yeah, no, I was just a weird kid. But we I think always... all, all nerds were weird kids at some point. Yeah, basically. All right, all right, people. We're going to go ahead and wrap up and get the hell up on out of here. Because we all have last minute Halloween stuff to do. And I do want to make sure my bag is packed. So that way I'm not rushing first thing in the morning. So, I also like sleep. But sleep is for the week. Sleep is for the 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 me. Oh god, okay. <laughs> All right, fine, fine, fine. We'll be back. Kuzuboshi Kirameku Yume no Hoshisa I wanna be Ikoze Ikoze
Wow, I can't remember the. Has it been that long since I did like a, a two-person show? I'm think this is going back to like when it was just me and um, Kuro Usagi. This was kind of fun, did you go? Yeah, it was a fun, uh, fun exercise, and uh, definitely uh, in the future if you need me, I'm here for you. So we. All right. So if you like the show, tell a friend. Then in turn, we'll tell another friend, and so on and so forth. We're independent bloggers, independent podcasters. We do this for the fun of it. So, if you let us know what you think of the show, and you can do that by dropping us a line at podcast at animejamsession.com. Again, that is podcast at animejamsession.com. We're here to know what's up, and we're here to believe you. And don't forget, check out our website at animejamsession.com, where we link to our cosplay photos, our YouTube videos, um, awesome cosplay tips and tutorials. You'll find cosplayer interviews, our weekly podcast, um, anime reviews, convention reviews, and other cool stuff if you poke around. That's AnimeJamSession.com. And you can also find our show on various podcasting sites such as iTunes, Stitcher, Groove, TuneIn Radio, Google Play, and Player FM. Um, if you like, if you listen to us on one of those sites, we want to know. If you have time, drop a review. That'd be really awesome of you. And don't forget, we're also on social media. You can find us at youtube.com slash anime jam session, twitter.com slash anime jam session, and facebook.com slash anime jam session. And to everybody that follows us on those sites, thank you so much. We could not do this show without y'all. And don't forget, we're here on the VOG Network twice a week, live Tuesdays at 9.30 p.m., with a pre-show at 9.15 and an encore Thursdays at 2 p.m., both Eastern Standard Times, and that's vognetwork.com. So we're gonna, I'm going to kick it over to Ichigo for last words. So last words, Ichigo. And her mic copped out on her again. Ah! Can you hear me now? I can hear you loud and clear. Oh my god, I'm gonna beat this thing. Okay, so my <laughs> mic must be haunted. Um, sorry guys, this is my Halloween for you. Spooky, my mic goes in and out. Yay. Um, yeah, I know what I was saying uh, is last last words. Um, yeah, my husband came up behind me and made me scream. So, yay Halloween. My last words is I need to pack my uh, Nick Fury and do some other stuff before bed. And that's basically it. Thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Uh, Ari will be here. Uh, Mako-chan will be here. We'll hear about Mako's uh, vacation. It'll be fun. So, let's see. I think that's it. Is that it, Ichigo? That should be about all she wrote. All right. We're going to get out of here. So, I'm Ranma. And I'm Ichigo. Great fight, great night. And ooh, 20% off a Ghostbusters Proton Pack. Sweet. That sounds like a recipe for disaster. <sighs> Say goodnight, Ichigo. Spooky night, y'all. That's it. We out. This podcast has been a production of Anime Jam Session and AJS Productions. No fanboys and fangirls were hurt, maimed, shot, electrocuted, or pistol-whipped in this episode. For now. 
The views, opinions, and thoughts expressioned on this show do not reflect the staff or the network as a whole. But we're still right, damn it. For transcripts of this episode, start typing. Check us out at AnimeJamSession.com and VogNetwork.com for more information about us and other programming. Jamatane!